Oh, what a great week coming up here. Every week, there's something that's going to get you on your feet and you want to get moving. You know, whether we were talking about mental health and wellness, we talk about physical health and wellness, all these put together really make you a better person. In fact, it, it kind of makes you change your whole perspective in life. And you could do things until you can possibly imagine all the way into your 80s. We've heard it before, but here's something you probably haven't heard that you were designed to run. Did you know that? And it increases your chance of daily happiness when we do so. That's a quote, by the way, and I quoted my next guest. He is the running guru. Jeff Galloway is coming up on the Bob Jeswald Show. Personal power, people positive, the community of connection. This is the Bob Jeswald Show. And before I go into my guest, Jeff, I kind of did the opposite. Usually in a Bob Jezel show, I kind of bury the lead a little bit. So you get anticipated, who could that guest be? But you already know, because you would have clicked on this podcast. <laughs> so anyway, uh, break format just a little bit. I just want to save my glasses I got on this week. It's just, I was weed eating without goggles on. Bad move, bad move. And I ended up getting uh, abrasion, a cornea, a cornea abrasion during this time of this podcast. So when you don't see my glasses on, they're healed again. I'm back with my contacts. Love contacts, because I... When I get out and, and run or walk, I, I could see as far as the eye can see. And there's nothing better than that. You know, sunglasses are good, too. I don't like glare in my eyes. But I love to run uh, with, uh, with my contacts because you see everything. And when you see that, um, you see others and you, you see the beauty around you. And that's part of the things that motivate me. But my next guest, you got you to gotta know him. It's Jeff Galloway. Jeff, how are you in the house? Oh, great to be here, Bob. I, I, do I introduce you as a U.S. Olympiad, or do I say you're the running guru? What, what do you prefer? What would and I, you're just a humble guy. And what, what would I? How would I introduce you? How do you like to just besides Jeff Galloway? I want to give you like a Jeff Galloway the runner or Jeff Galloway the. Well, uh, a lot of folks now call me America's coach because I have coached millions of people into okay. not just running but fitness itself, and I'm very proud of that because. My mission is to keep people away from the negative aspects of exercise. I mean, we've all had them. Aches, pains, exhaustion, puking. I'm against all of those things. Okay, okay. <laughs> and I designed my method to help people avoid those, while at the same time turning on the brain circuits that uh, make you feel better, that give you a better attitude, that give you more energy and empowerment to take on challenges you wouldn't do otherwise coaches that coach my daughters cross country that coach their track and field they use your methods and these methods are just they're just ingrained it's kind of like the the bible of coaches and running it, it really is and i, I mean that and no, no disrespect and and irreverence to the bible but I, I i really see it that way i mean you just say people's names or if I was at the soldier marathon I'm wearing this just because there's a run that you're involved with with the uh, heroes of America marathon coming up half and 5k uh, in the Fort Benning area of the National Infantry Museum which takes place of the old soldier marathon but this is the new run and it starts on heritage walk and it's I think they're going to do it twice a year now I think it's in and I don't know if they're going to continue the May one the Memorial Weekend one and then the November one do you know or before I I don't know don't the know, yeah. decision on that, okay. but that is uh, something they've talked about. And they're using your name <clears throat> because you're involved. How are you involved with this? So you're going to be doing, you're, you're kind of, you, you see Jeff Galloway on it, you're probably going to sign up. I think that that's number one. Am I right in saying that? My role at these events is to be there to help people solve problems. There are always problems with exercise, and there are always some aches and pains. Most of them are not something to worry about. And so I have now 
counseled and heard back from over half a million people that have mostly run or have done strenuous walking. And I have solutions for practically every problem that comes up. So I sit around the expo solving problems, helping people get motivated, and then give them a plan, a cognitive plan that will keep them away from the negative messages that come from that darn emotional brain that we let and get involved with exercise. The the Kendrick brothers did a a movie and it was, um, it was about the runner, the coach, and they did it. And it was the same thing. Like, you know, take tackle one at a time, take one person out at a time. There's all these methods you, and and this is what I was going to get into when I was at the soldier marathon in uh, 2010, I think it might've been the first one we did of these and the heroes of America now. And we were running and, you know, and some person kept passing me. And then I'm passing them. And I'm, pa- I'm like, what in the heck are they doing? But I'm running the whole thing. This is a half marathon. Now I did. I've never done a full but uh, for, of those, but I've done halves. And my legs are like sandbags at this point. But I keep running. I, I never stop because I'm thinking that's the best way to do it. I want to show that I ran this half nonstop. That isn't the case because people are walking by and they finally said to somebody, why does this guy keep? And somebody goes, oh, he's doing the Galloway method. Literally just rolls out their tongue. That walk to run could be for, and we're going to get into some of the things that why people have this block, I can't do it kind of syndrome, when you can, but the walk to run is one that's been very familiar with many who, who do run, and those who really don't but have heard about it. Tell, how did you come up with that? The 30, you know, you know run as fast as you can, take a 30-second break, and then there's different intervals of that as well. Well, at first, you don't run as fast as you can. Okay. Uh, when it's a long distance uh, amount that you're doing, you need to be conservative, especially in the beginning. But the concept is real simple. You break up what could be a very debilitating event in endurance that, if you ran nonstop, would cause you to slow down and feel like sandbags in your legs at the end. If you break it up into segments that are doable, and then follow each segment with a walk break. You erase the buildup of stress on the weak links. You erase the fatigue that builds up in the calf muscle. And so you're the one that's passing people at the end. You're the one that runs faster because you didn't slow down at the end. The average improvement in a half marathon from people like yourself, Bob, that used to run nonstop and then find the right run, walk, run is more than seven minutes faster just by using run, walk, run. See, and th- th- and it used to be like, you feel like you're you're cheating at that race, but you're really not. Because those the person I told you, they ended up passing me. They were on, by that point, Heritage Walk, and I couldn't even, I'm like, how did they get there so fast? They were walking, and then I'm passing them, and I'm burning out. I have sandbags on my calves. You know, I, I couldn't, and my, my, my quads, I, I couldn't even lift them up. It was so hard. Hips started to hurt. All those things that you described before before I get in there because I know I know folks as you're listening to this you want to stay with it because you're going to learn a lot here from Jeff and um, but again he you know you're talking about like run sixty seconds walk thirty do like a run forty seconds and walk twenty seconds is that was that part of your five method it was like one two three four five is that another one of, of Galloway's methods or do you do or is this something you can incorporate use the philosophy of what you said and then break it what works for you or is it got to be the Galloway 100% way, or which way would you say? No, the the concept uh, is the important thing, and that is 
that you need to take a walk break on a long run early and regularly. And if you do that, you're going to erase the fatigue buildup. You're just going to recover it is, it faster. It is what it is. It makes sense. Okay. Now, that said, in terms of the exact amounts, we have recommendations. They're based on more than half a million people that I've given advice to about run, walk, run, and they've gotten back to me to tell me what has worked best by pace per mile. So if you give me a pace per mile, I can tell you what's working best for the tens of thousands who have reported in at that pace. So I got uh, some of my notes I'm putting here. That was your, is that your magic mile? Is that what we call it? Or the is magic this? mile is a reality check on your ego. It, it is okay. a way to determine what your current potential is so that you can set up an appropriate pace on long runs and also in the race at the end of the season. Most people fly blindly into races and let their ego determine what they should run. And guess what happens when they get in the race? Mm -hmm. They go too fast. Mm -hmm. They hit a wall. They feel terrible at the end. They slow down or walk a lots of miles at the end when that doesn't ever have to happen. And that is, that's key because anyone listening to this that are just so excited about doing this, we call it couch to 5K. Some people come up with those plans. But a lot of these really were precipitated from the Jeff Galloway concepts. And, it, and it's been really effective, as you said. It's hard, Jeff, when you're at a big, like this race that was coming up during this podcast on the Saturday after we did this, um, when you have almost a 1,000 people and they take off at the same time, you know, and that, that's what you're saying, don't get caught up in that. Like, I got to run out of the gate. I'm going to be that first one out there. The ego check is, is key. Does a Jeff Galloway have to be there with that person as they're measuring how fast they can do this and do this mile to try to determine where they're at? Or is this, th- these are concepts that you have written about in your book that people understand this is what you need to do. Is it good to have another person with you, though, doing this? Or is this something you can do on your own? Well, first of all, you'll see a whole section on our website, and it's free at jeffgalloway.com, and it's on the Magic Mile. So it'll just teach you and take you right through from start to finish in doing a Magic Mile. Um, You can time yourself. Um, If you want to do this with somebody else, it's usually more motivating. But if you don't have someone to do the running with, you can time yourself and do it just as well. It's amazing if you think back when you were the, on the U.S. Olympic team and you're part of that 10,000 meter, which is I was over 10K, maybe just a little bit or what they used to, they, you were doing with your teammates. As a U.S. Olympian, you didn't have garments, you didn't have these Fitbits or any of these other devices. How the heck did you do it? You develop an intuitive sense of pacing, and that's mainly done, at least it was done in our day, by doing long track workouts. So you get out to a track, and in order to prepare for 10,000 meter, I discovered that for me, and actually for most of the runners that I worked with at that time, that we had to run a gradual increase in the number of laps around a track. We started with maybe 8 or 10 at the beginning of the season and built up to 24 to 30 of them. Uh, very arduous workout. And if you don't pace yourself correctly, you hit a wall in that workout or you get injured. 
And I had some of that happen early on. But once I learned that I, I just hit a pace, it became intuitive. There is a part of your brain that is designed to lock on to a pace. And if you do it enough, you'll get that. Okay. I, I love it. I'm, I'm mesmerized here, just so people who are listening, anybody who's been involved or been around people who run, and you, you just know Jeff Galloway, just sit there and hear the the expert <laughs> just talking to you. I'm loving this. And I'm sorry to be so kind of gratuitous here in a way, but it's it's important for me to, to let people understand how I'm feeling right now and just listening to this because there's there's so many things that I that's going through my mind. I, I think, um, you know, it, one in particular, right? this is just like, the given for someone like you who's been running as long as you have. Okay. And, and his, have you ever lost though the urge? Cause somebody would say that. I mean, I, I know for myself, it's the, the natural pheromones. It's, it's the, it's the intoxicating moment of running. It's just that moment of euphoria. You, you kind of get that, you know, endorphins moving throughout your whole body and through your extremities. So I like to say, I don't lose the urge, but have you, I mean, because you live and breathe. I mean, this, I don't know what you've done in, you've been running since you were a child. I mean, when did you start running and, and you never really lost the urge or have you? And how do you get motivated again? And if somebody does, cause you kind of get into that a little bit too. in, in some of your courses and that, well, I started running at 13 and I was forced to, because my father actually was in the Navy. I'd gone to 13 schools. I had never 13 schools in seven years. So I, every six months I was somewhere else. And, never got involved with athletics or sports, and had gained a good bit of weight. I was a very overweight and lazy kid, never done any regular training. Well, the new school I was going to required all boys to go out for strenuous sports after school, and I didn't know what to do, but I had gotten to know some of the runners, mainly because they were funny, and we just hung out together, and they convinced me to come out for winter cross-country, which I did, and uh, it was just awfully tough. And that first day, I remember clearly to, to this day, I ran out not even one mile, and I was spent. And I had to walk with my head down all the way back, and longest walk I've ever done. Uh, but I was wiped out. And uh, as soon as the other runners started coming back, they came up to me, patted me on the back, you know, and and this is something that I see in running groups everywhere I've gone, uh, hundreds of different running groups I've run with, and that same camaraderie and support and appreciation and respect for one another is something you don't tend to see in other sports, but it's there in running, and, and it's powerful too, and it kept me in the game. I mean, I was quite honestly terrible. I my first uh, four years, I did not qualify for the state championships in the state of Georgia. I showed no signs of being able to move up to any high level of running. Only my senior year did I even get to the state championships. Wow. What division were you guys at? What, what were you ranked? What school were you ranked? Anyway? Well, at the time, the highest was 4A. Okay. And we were, sure. we were in Big 4A. School. Yeah, back then. Um, but the bottom line is um, I didn't give up, even though I had lots of walls that I hit motivationally. I didn't give up because of my friends and also the way I felt after a workout. I may have felt terrible during, 
But the sense of accomplishment, the empowerment, um, always had a good, better attitude after the workout than before. And then I started realizing that I was able to go home, even though I was extremely tired from the workout, and just attack the homework that I had like I never could before I started running. That's a great point. And, you know, and that's, that makes sense because I have a, I have a 16 year old and she can be up till two and after doing a whole, she'll come back from Carrollton and they're a four A school or yeah, they're four A school and they, they've done regionals. They've made it to state and, uh, and, and their coach attributes a lot to what you do. They, they've learned from you and, and, uh, and, and brought it to these kids but she is engaged with the homework. So that it does more, it's, it's stimulating the brain. Well, I didn't know. <clears throat> I knew that these effects were there. They were, mm-hmm. they were real because I wasn't the only one getting these mental enhancements. So many of my friends mm-hmm. and people that I would just meet on the street that ran told me they were getting them. But I was given the assignment to write my mental training book, and I had to go back to the research. I spent six months delving through the research on what exercise and running does for the brain. And it's amazing. It unlocked a whole sense of understanding that didn't start coming out until the 1990s when safe brain scanning devices were developed to see which activities turned on which parts of the brain. So when you're talking about running, you turn on the good attitude circuit in the brain, you turn on the vitality circuit and the empowerment circuit better than any other activity in life does. Running does that. And to boot, you actually grow new brain cells. It's, it's a better fact. than playing chess. It <laughs> is. It's documented. Seriously. Yeah, this is, it's yeah. documented because yeah. playing chess doesn't release a brain hormone called BDNF. Distance running does. BDNF, the scientists call miracle growth for the brain because not only does it stimulate the growth of new brain stem cells, it actually puts them to work in the brain so that they stay around permanently. And the brain grows and grows and grows. And it was known back in the dark ages when I ran high school cross country that the cross country team always had the highest grades in school of any group in the school, including math or science clubs or whatever. The cross-country kids always beat grade, grade point average. Um, and now we know why. Because if you continue to run regularly, you grow brain cells uh, at the rate of about 100,000 every three days. Jeff Galloway, 76-year-old at this time of the podcast, talking about the dark ages <laughs> that's right <laughs> but you're but that wasn't that long ago and 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 this is this is what makes you this uh, this running coach it really makes sense so this is it dopamine is that right to say that what is the stimulant that causes the brain to grow it's called bdnf, BDNF. which is brain derived neurotrophic factor okay bdnf, BDNF. remember that miracle, miracle grow, grow dylan dylan is our producer here yeah what do you think of that dylan Especially your age. I feel like I need to start running more. I, I'm telling you. <laughs> you do. You do. <laughs> There's a really good, one of my major sources uh, is a book called Spark. It's written by a neuroscientist who delineates these studies. 
and there are thousands of them worldwide now, showing that you just get moving. Move your feet, you turn on your brain. And that goes back millions of years. It's actually forward movement exercise that created the human brain six million years ago. See, that's incredible. And differentiated yeah, sure. us from animals. Wow. See, that this is some great information. And this is making a lot of sense. But forward movement, I like that. So there's, there's a lot of interesting parallels to that. When you move forward in life, you're going in the right direction. You know, you're doing these things that are going to be great for the body. Anybody I tell, though, if you can walk to run, and I would say, you know, out of all these different things, what would be Jeff Galloway's favorite workout then? If, if, if it is the brain workout because you're running long distance, is, is, is that, would that be fair? Is it just the plain ordinary running, or is there anything else that we have to do in conjunction running to prevent in, injuries? Because you do touch on that. I know you talk about that. Well, we can talk about uh, staying away from injuries in just a moment. Okay, good. Let, yeah, let's let go me in just order. say yeah. a, a workout to get the maximum according to both brain and body, the workout needs to go on for 30 minutes. Now, it doesn't have to be hard effort at all. It's just you just have to keep moving for 30 minutes. Okay. Even walking produces some of those benefits. But if you add some running segments to a walk of 30 to 45 minutes, you're going to get more brain cells produced. And somebody who has a a knee injury or, or some sort of, um, you know, uh, tendonitis or fasciitis or, um, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, hip issues or your nerves, of course, all, all runners over time, we know there's certain stretches we, we do for our sciatic nerves. And, you know, there's more than one. The one on the side is the one that always gets me through my gluteus and through the side of that. If you need water, Jeff, go ahead and help yourself. I can tell you, just, you deserve to have some water here. He's been doing a lot of talking. But Jeff Galloway, you know, talking about um, forward movement, um, walking, but then adding the running portion of it, and, and 30 minutes are enough to get that BD and F, you know, getting that function going on in the brain to make your brain grow. And and that's what gives you the positive part of that. I, and you're right. There's not a runner I don't know of that it's negative. And, and I see a lot of people who have clinical depression that, that do – the Jeff Galloway startup. They start doing the walk. They start doing the run, and they incorporate it. And these these are women and men that have some. They're either a little bit, and I'll say there some of them are close to being obese, or they they never did a workout in their life. But th this type of thing, I've seen it and witnessed it works. But when we do get injuries, do you want to get into the injury part? Yeah, yep. I okay. Do. Yeah. So now we know this part of the function. We know that. It does seems like you've never been bored with running anyway, obviously. <laughs> since you're 13 years old, you know, and your, da your dad, I want to say, I don't say he forced you, but, you know, being a Navy and a Navy kid and, and, and part of those that era. But um, all these years later, we have to figure out, you know, how do you tell that person? And that's what you struggle with all the time. You see, well, I can't run my knee, Bob. I got this thing and I can't do it. What? How do we get past that? And what, when is it? to the point where we say you cannot run, besides if you just had surgery on your foot or something like that? Well, you, you shouldn't run at least temporarily if you have swelling, inflammation, okay, in other words. Okay, this is good to know. So if you have inflammation, do not run, okay? Second one is loss of function. If the knee, the hip, the foot isn't working the way it should work. And then the third thing is pain that doesn't go away when you take an extended walk break. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so... Listen to it. Don't. That's a part where you don't want to push and oh, you know, 
in, in that position. So from it, that point, what do you do? Well, if it happens yeah. on a run for the first time, chances are if you lay off for three days, it will go away because the body is programmed to heal itself from walking and running injuries. And the reason that a lot of scientists have for that is that running and walking were two modes that ensured survival of our species for six million years. And so the whole processes of repair were put at a high priority to running and walking injuries. And that's certainly true today. Where people go astray is when they try treatment modes that really are counterproductive. Mm -hmm. And I must tell you that stretching tends to be one of those. Now, uh, there are some stretches for individuals that certainly do work, but across the board, there's no research showing that stretching has any benefit for distance runners and that there are a lot of negative studies showing more injuries injuries that don't ever heal up. In other words, career-ending injuries from people that stretch a lot. What about a small cardio workout before? Because I, I, I don't stretch before I run. And in fact, I feel really good. So this is, this is, this is something I know uh, that you talk about. Are there any kind of movements to get cardio moving beforehand that maybe won't fall in the category of a stretch to some type of ambulating to, to get those muscles primed with blood? Or is that okay? Yeah, real simple. Okay. You, you just start out at a slow walk. That's your warm-up. That's your stretch. And, and, you, okay. and you do that for about uh, two or three minutes. And then if you need a little bit more walking and want to pick up the cadence of a walk, you could do that for another two minutes or so. Then you could start into a run-walk run that would be much more gentle than you're going to do later on. Let's say that later on okay. you're going to use a... Uh, 60-second run and a 30-second walk. Well, you'd start out with 30-30 or 20 seconds run, 20 seconds walk. Or if it's a bad day when you're starting out, you might start walking for 40 seconds and running only for 20. Uh, So you ease your way into it for 5 to 10 minutes, a very gentle run-walk run. And then... Uh, I have two drills that have been extremely efficient in helping you warm up and also helping you run smoother and more efficiently. One is called the cadence drill, and the other one is the acceleration glider. Uh, You do four of each of those drills. Uh, The cadence drill, you're counting how many steps you're taking with one or the other foot. You pick a foot. You count for 15 seconds. Okay. Walk for 30 seconds. Repeat. Do that four times in a row. And your mission is to get a, an additional count on each one. Then the uh, acceleration glider works you from a walk to a little shuffle and then a slow jog, then a regular pace jog, and then a slight acceleration followed by a glide off momentum back into another walk break. Everything seamless. That's, that, I love that. That's the part that I love. And I was trying to figure out when you see people do that without coming to a cold stop or to that walk. So the walk to run is fine, but the glide, when you're gliding back, I like, I, I love that. So you're, you're, you're ramping up and then you're slowly bringing yourself, but you've got to get the cadence steps. Do the steps on 
these new watches, is that something to be looking at? Or are you saying this is our cadence in our head? Like you're, you're thinking 1,000, you know, how many steps? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, like that. Better for you to count for okay. a number of reasons. Okay. The watches um, sometimes miss steps. And if you're really trying to focus on getting more steps, you need to be in control of that process. Okay. And the old school is the best control. Simply counting how many times yeah, your left right. or your right foot touches. But this has an additional benefit. When you're counting, you're turning on your human brain and you're shutting off the emotional monkey brain. Now, we have these two brain operating systems, and runners often err in letting the monkey brain start out being in control. And then as the adversity of the run builds up uh, and you are in, under the control of the monkey yeah, brain, right. the monkey brain starts secreting negative hormones and you feel less motivated. The antidote to that is to have a strategy. And one strategy is just simply counting your steps. So that's, the monkey brain is the one that's saying, Oh, it's hurting. My legs are hurting. No, you can't do it. It's, it's the cannot person. What it's part of doing, it. it's the, the the monkey brain is a subconscious entity, but it secretes negative hormones, which then trigger negative thoughts. So yes, okay, you're getting the thoughts, but it's in a more indirect way than you would with your human brain, which is a conscious brain That's and, and gives you control over your motivation. And what you're going to do. So this is a mental, you know, people, they, they talk about runners, you know, like, okay, so you're just a runner. Where, where's the strategy and all that? There's strategy in this. This is like if you're you're bowling, you have to have good concentration or that ball's going in a gutter. You're running, you want to stay straight and forward and keep thinking, but keep that control. Don't let those negative portions kind of seep in here, the monkey part of the brain. But you're, But it is kind of a mind game. And any kind of thing like this that you're driving yourself is a little mind game. Once you... You, you get past that, you'd be surprised how much more you can achieve. Is what th This is what this is all about. Yes, but I will say that the monkey brain is always lurking in the shadows on long runs. And it's the monkey brain's main mission is to keep you alive and keep you from killing yourself. So it's our checks and balance, so to speak, it sometimes, is. too. It's our, it's our Q&A, if it's our quality and assurance to make sure, yeah, yeah hey, you know. But, but... Mm -hmm. The more adversity and stress the monkey brain senses, the, the more negative hormones you're going to get. And therefore, the less motivated you're going to be as the run gets more difficult uh, towards the end. But again, the antidote to that is to have a strategy. Yeah, okay. And, that's, and, yeah. and there are a number of strategies out there, and I delineate... Which one is your favorite? I mean, which one is Jeff... Do or do you do multiple ones? So multiple volume. ones, okay. and, and variety is the spice of running. Okay, uh, but yeah. the the main strategies that I highlight in my mental training book are having some mantras first. Okay, and and I have people at every race who will come up to me with a photocopy of my book that has yeah, several right. pages of these, and, and they've highlighted the mantras they're going to be using. But it works. You say a mantra, and you turn on your human brain, so that stops the flow of the negative hormones from the monkey brain, at least temporarily. Okay. And temporarily is good. Now, for more long-term, you need to have some sort of a coordinated strategy that doesn't just 
get turned on and then goes away. And so one of the longer terms is to have a structured strategy based on the race itself in which you have mentally rehearsed what's going on throughout the whole race. And you have things that you're going to be thinking about, cognitive things Mm -hmm. that you're thinking about. Every time you have a cognitive thought, you're going to shut off that monkey brain and you're going to turn on your human brain that can really focus and get you to the next area. And then the final thing, uh, strategy, that you can have fun with is usually reserved for the latter stages of a long run or a hard race. And that's what I call magic tricks and and dirty tricks. It depends on how (laughs) magical or dirty they are. But uh, it's sort of like a fantasy world. In other words, uh, one of them is a giant invisible rubber band that I carry with me on all of my races. Okay. And I even did this when I was running at the world-class level. I would look ahead at this guy that looked like he was running so hard that I could never catch him. Okay. And I would take out this invisible rubber band, and I would just, in my mind, toss it so hard that it went over his head and around his waist, and then I started pulling him back to me. And you just don't know how many times when I, as I went through that it's cognitive, it's, this is so cool to hear this. Yeah. Yeah. The cognitive thoughts of I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer and all the positive things that are said in this whole, uh, dirty trick, uh, arena got me to catch up with the guy and duke it out with him all the way to the finish line. So this is, this is good. Cause this is legitimate. You're not going to get in trouble for this dirty trick. That's right. You're not going to get disqualified from this dirty trick. It's totally legal. And nobody knows, right. It's just in your mind, but this mind game that you're playing is okay to use this. You can come up then, then in that scope, you can come up with other dirty tricks, like a sling. You know, I could think maybe taking, you know, one person at a time, maybe a slingshot, knocking them one down or whatever, but it's amazing how they get your brain working how do you come? How, how did you come up with this? Where did you come up with a concept like this? Where 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 did you, and how long have you been using that? Well, I intuitively discovered some of these things because they were just fun. And at first, it was serendipitous. You know, I'd sure. be out on a run. Uh, I remember one run that uh, when I was just starting at the world class level. And uh, I was running with some friends, and they were having a much better day than I. So I just let them go. And so at first, I sort of wallowed in my misery about not being able to run with them. And then I started thinking about some crazy thought. One of them was a giant magnet that was at the finish line. Oh, okay. And it was locking into the uh, red blood cells that have iron in them in my body. Well, see, now you're getting very scientific here. Well, this is good. That's, that's a great, but if you do it that way, now there's some logic into it. And it's science fiction, but it works. Right. And, and so um, I, I just played with that. And serendipitously, towards the last third of that run, I felt absolutely great. Picked up the pace, caught up with my friends, and told them about this giant magnet that was pulling me. And gave me an advantage over them. <laughs> That's, that is, that, whatever, this is incredible. I mean, this is like the child in us, you know, thinking when you think of, like, yeah, it's like childhood fantasy kind of thing. You know, if I had a magnet, I can pull this person here or do that or whatever. But it's okay. It's like the super power superheroes of, of running. You can, you could come up with these fun things. So I assume you have to, do you put pen to paper before you do this? Or are you imagining this as you're running, the thought comes to you? Or did you, do you like kind of come up with something beforehand? Like, like a musician, are you 
writing the lyrics down and then you put it to to paper and then you go ahead and take the instrument and play it or do you does this unfold as you're running you, you the concept comes to you well i have an advantage over most runners in that i do writing every day i'm writing an article or a piece or i'm editing my next book you know whatever it sure. is and so uh, before i run i'm going to be doing some writing about running and often it will trigger some of these creative things. But the principle behind it is also quite interesting because if you can activate your human brain by having a cognitive strategy, then you first will usually activate the right side, which is the logical side, because you have a thought, you have a mantra, that turns on the right side of the human brain. But if you turn on the right side, you also turn on the left side, which is the creative side. And I have had just limitless runs in which towards the end of the run, I have this flow of creative ideas and thoughts and images that is sometimes just wild. And uh, it's because I activated the human brain and allowed that creative side to just display itself. That those who are listening now may want to say, well, Jeff, okay, I, I got all this stuff going on now. And not that it's confusing, because it really isn't. When you, the way you describe it, this is not confusing, but where do, where do we start? You know, where does someone start where they want to up their game right now? Or those who are in the same light are just starting to walk to run. What, what would you suggest? The, the beginner should do walk to run. The person like me has been running for, I can't even tell you how long. But I'm I'm not this I'm not a Jeff Galloway runner, but I'm a, I'm your like Bob. Do you want to go run a 10k? Yeah, no problem. I can do it. I haven't done one in a week, but I'd still do it. Where do we Where do we implement these? When who starts where? Am I the one who starts? Could I go to that level now, or are you are you thinking that somebody who's just starting should also play the the, the tricks, dirty well, tricks? Well, first of all, let's look at goals. Okay, and and a primary goal goals better. Yeah, let's look the, at the, the goals that okay. you mentioned earlier is to run injury-free. Now, in my case, I've gone 44 years without a running injury. I've not had a single running that's injury. That's what's, if you look at jeffgalloway.com, you know, that's the one thing that I think anyone who knows, which is befuddling, but you obviously are doing something right because you're still a human being, right? Well. <laughs> I believe you are. But that's. But be injury-free is crazy. But that's when I started using my method every day. Gotcha. And, and because I put the walk breaks in every day, I don't build up the stress on these weak links. And even though I am almost 77, I don't get hardly any aches and pains even. God, I the feel... Blood's flowing. So you're, is there such thing as somebody's born to run and some people are not? Because I have people that I walk to, but I just can't do it. Or is that just, again, they're not, they're not tapping into the creativity of the brain. Everybody can run. Because that's, that's one of your famous quotes, as I opened up this podcast with. Everybody can run. The then question becomes, what amount of running and what amount of walking do you need to accomplish that? Now, for a beginner, it would uh, often start with only five seconds of running and 30 to 60 seconds of walking. And by doing that at the beginning, you not only allow the orthopedic units to adapt gently to the running motion, okay. but you also get the feeling that I can do this. And, and this makes me feel good mm -hmm. because you're going to get 
essentially the same attitude boost and uh, the, the vitality boost and the empowerment, even if you're only running for five seconds and walking for 30 to 60 seconds. So you're going to get a mental boost out of doing sure. that. And that's where beginners start. Now, some beginners never go beyond that. They feel fine. That's great That's their for goal. them. They don't need to run a marathon. They may say, well, look, I'm not looking to compete. I may still want to walk a marathon or run it. And we've seen those people, right? You know, we've seen people of all ages and that can do that. But but setting that goal first and knowing what you want to do just to get into it, it starts to lubricate the joints. The physical aspect becomes easier and mentally that triggers out good things. So physically make sure that you are, you know, getting your plan down, know your goal but understand the physical part to just get to that goal to know, like, I'm going to do that a couple miles. I'm going to do that three miles, but I'm going to do it this way where it feels good. That's going to trigger here. Yep. And over time then we can start and we get even more and more polished. And if we get to the competitive level, then we can play the, the dirty tricks. Yeah. I, I revised my original book, which is called Galloway's book on running. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally published in 1984. That's one when you had the long hair on the side, dark That's and mustache. That's exactly mustache. right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Remember that one? That's like classic. Yeah, classic that's book. the yeah. one. Yeah. But I did, during COVID, I revised it and yeah. I updated it. But there's one chapter that I didn't change at all, and it's a chapter called The Five Stages of the Runner. Uh-huh. And, gotcha. and And you can move from a, a novice beginner to uh, – the various stages and, and go through this and then find the stage that, that you like best. You never have to go to be a competitor to get yeah. the benefits of running. As a matter of fact, most people yeah. actually feel better when they stay at one of the first two levels and just enjoy the running experience just for itself. Yeah, So the, and that's the thing. I think, and you hit on something there, a lot of people when they – they see somebody, and again, I always tell people, I'm not, they see me because the perception is Bob's got the hat on, he's got his, wears all the shirts that he runs. I've, I've done more 5Ks in my life than any other 10Ks or any half marathons, one or two marathons that I'd done, but I never enjoyed them. Um, and, and, and it's not, and not that I didn't follow the Callaway way, I just find those are the ones that seem to be more attainable for me at the point because. I do some swimming in between. I do other exercise routines to break it out because my personality is that, that I, I like that. But, but again, I will say, even if it's a trail run, which hits your muscles in different ways, we've talked to cardiologists about this and other doctors. Sometimes it's good to do these trail runs. In addition, if you're, you're hitting those joints differently. They build them up differently. Those muscles and tendons are working differently. So you don't have that constant same repetitive motion. But there is still something... And as we're already hitting on today with running, that just, it's addicting. Is that, would that be fair to say? Is it feel like it's addicting? Well, it, it is. And it almost becomes an addiction almost. I see some people doing it. And it's okay that they run every day because there are people say you should do other things. But you're saying you don't necessarily have to do that. You can still have a very healthy, injury-free body without having to in, implement these other routines like a CrossFit or something. Not, not that, you know, everything works for everybody, but you can actually run every day and not have a problem i mean you're you're in great shape 76 or thing i mean i'm i'm gonna guess you're 160 pounds maybe if that you know 510 maybe or 59 one, yeah. 135 and 11 you don't even look at five i look at it 
I'm, I can't work at the fair. <laughs> exactly. I could never get that job at the fair. That is never going to happen. But you don't look, I mean, but Jeff, you're, you've been thin. I mean, as far as I know, even on the U.S. Olympic team, you were, but you've, you, you, you kept your same frame and, and you, and you feel great. Now, in terms of running every day, some people cannot run every day. Okay. Let's talk about those people. Who However, yeah. with the right run, walk, run, most people can run every day. But you do have to adjust. You have to do this and find the right one that fits. Each day. Each day. And you can't get locked into it. Well, I am a 60-30 runner, and I'm never going to run less than that. Well, you you can run into problems if you have that attitude. Literally, yeah. You just have to be adaptable. That's that's the key, and I'm glad. So be adaptable. Look at these d- different opportunities of ways of doing this. And no, I'm sorry, I shouldn't I would click that off right there. And you know who that is? That's that's your people uh, calling right now. Shall, shall we answer it live on here? Let, sure. Let's just see who this is. It's me, I think. Yeah, we could. Maybe it could be kind of interesting. Mia, how are you? We are on our podcast. I'm not interrupting, am I? You are, but it's okay. I just told Jeff we're in the podcast now. Why not make it spontaneous? This is something we can share. We can cut it out, or we can. Or I can go. I could call you later. What would you like, Mia? You, you could say hi to Jeff. Would you like to say hi to Jeff? Hey, Jeff. How are you? Hey, I'm fine. Uh, thanks for oh, calling awesome. in. That's <laughs> good. To, good to see you. Well, Mia, he's doing a great job. We're talking about adaptability, injury-free kind of running, and that everybody can do it a, in a safe way. But we got to make sure that we tap the right uh, program for one, and, and don't get locked on one in particular. And play dirty absolutely. tricks when you're getting competitive, like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. We definitely want them to play fair, but be competitive. Um, <laughs> So that's definitely one of our top priorities. We're going to be safe. That's right. We're going to get Jeff to you guys probably about 2.30 local time. How do you like that? Uh, not a problem at all. Yeah. Okay. Is, is that what you wanted to see if he's okay and everybody's here? No, actually, I was going to call and see. I'm talking about adaptability. Yeah, okay. If you would be able to make it out here at 4.30 for our rehearsal. Oh, sure. at 4.30. Right, that's Jeff, right? I probably won't be, but Jeff, I think you're good. You're good. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I'll just get with you a little bit later, Bob. I'm yes. going to send you the names of the chaplains for the invocation and the anthem. Yes. And everything, the series of events tomorrow morning. We're yeah. super excited. Super here. And I'll see you at 7 o'clock uh, Eastern time, right? Fantastic. Sounds good, Mia. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. It's a race director, so people know of the, of course, the Jeff Galloway Heroes of America Marathon half and 5K, and uh, Jeff is uh, certainly one of those people who are going to be given uh, a, a great way of some uh, opportunities to sit and talk to Jeff at these events and, and glean some good information like we are now in this podcast. But you're going to get everything you need to know in this <laughs> in this hour of this podcast, which is great. Uh, we were talking about adaptability, and, and Mia called, and she's trying to adapt too. We're we're, we're always trying to think out of the box. So uh, this race that's going on in race is like this they're intimidating to some people they're like oh i can never do that because it's right away when they see a runner they go, i can't run like that. it's just too quick for people to say that how does someone advocate then and say yes you can because here's what you need to do how do you you know what do you say to that person when they when they say that to you because you see you i mean you know you're an olympiad you're you're a lifelong runner author uh, you know, coach, the, the whole thing. And it's like, I can't do what he's doing, but yes, you can. And you're saying that, but so how do we, what's a clear cut little message to say to somebody to get them to come along? Have you found that? Or do you find, cause I know you get beginners as well as you get the pros. So wh- which one do you, you have more excitement in or both? Well, we have 50 Galloway training programs around the United States. And, uh, 
we are on hiatus here in Columbus, but uh, I'm sure that program will get restarted again. But um, about half of the people nationwide are average Americans, which means that they are significantly overweight. Um, They started from scratch. They started from the couch. A lot of them couldn't run more than five or ten seconds when they started. But now they have progressed a little bit. Some of them have progressed a lot. Some of them have qualified for Boston. Uh, So it's really whatever a person chooses to do that is so important. I like to say that each runner is the captain of their ship. They, they determine how they're going to train and, and then what they're going to train for and who they're going to run with. But I will tell you that if you can find a group to train with, it's a lot easier, it's a lot more fun, and you're going to get out there and you're going to do it. There's accountability. Yes. Uh, now, that's the first part, the group mm-hmm. and uh, having the right run-walk run to start with. Uh, the next thing is to find some reward. Now, races are only one of the rewards. What a lot of people today, because of COVID, have done is substitute a race for a certain distance they want to be able to do by a certain date. And they build it up. And they use a, ro- a wide range of my books to be able to do that. Uh, the half marathon or the 5K, 10K or the getting started book or the marathon book. It, they just choose one and the schedules are in there and you get the right schedule with the right run, walk, run and you're going to have about a uh, three to one chance of achieving your goal if you did not have that schedule. And then finally, have some sort of a reward. It doesn't have to be really a tangible reward. It might be something like having your best friends or your best running friends get in touch with you and talk it through afterwards and be able to have a Zoom call in which you laugh about things that you've done together. Sure. It's, it's all about finding something that's meaningful to you. And running is going to enhance everything else in your life. So get out there and find these various components that keep you in the game, and you would be amazed at how good you're going to feel. I, I think, you know, when it comes to the physical part and people want to make those, those, uh, those commitments, you don't, you're not a resolution guy, obviously. I mean, because you could pick up the Galloway and find that routine, find that one, and stick to it, and you can do it any time of year, right? So you're not like, don't start. Resolutions never work. So the resolution here would be, do it today or any time you feel like it tomorrow, but you can do it now and just pick that routine and let's just follow it and you go, you go through it. Move your feet. Move and, your feet. And, and the bottom line on that is that a lot of people are discouraged several days a week and don't feel like doing a, a walk or a run. But I tell them, just go out for five minutes and just give it a try for five minutes. About 90% of those people continue on for at least 30 minutes. It's all about getting yourself moving. Unless a doctor tells you you cannot walk. I, I wouldn't imagine anyone having any condition. Even post people have post-open heart surgery. They're already they're running. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've seen, maybe not right away, but they have to follow, listen to your doctor, of course. But I can't imagine anybody saying not being able to walk. If you 
who would tell them you can never walk again, you know, unless you're bedridden. So there's, there's always that hope. I mean, this is something that you can do and just talk to your doctor and see what your limitations are. And when you get to that point and you can pick, I can guarantee you one of these, one of your routines, there's something in there that you can find that would work for you or or with that individual. Walking and running are so beneficial uh, that so many medical authorities have said that if you could put the effects of walking and running into a pill, it would be the most heavily prescribed <laughs> medication in the, the history truth, right. of mankind because sure. there's so many benefits and no downsides to it. Now, that said, yes, there are some physicians that I've known who've told people that they should not walk. And in a few cases, I found that to be true. In a lot of other cases, I found that not to be true. They could walk, but the doctor was being ultra-conservative. My advice sure. there is to get in a second or third opinion. That's uh, and that was your you your Jeff Galloway's always one step ahead. We're talking about chess exercising the brain, but this one was perfect because I wanted to get to that. What do you tell someone that? Well, my doctor says this. Go for a second, third opinion. Yes. It's not that he might be wrong, but I like what you said. You're you were you were uh, good at keeping that. They might just be more conservative, and they're 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 worried about you. They hear, they listen to what you're saying, but a lot of doctors aren't trained in that scope of being more kind of like the psycho uh, analyst kind of person. Are you going to be able to uh, understand what that person's really saying? Get another opinion. And folks, you may f- be surprised that the, the walk may be the right prescription in that case. And you want to yeah. find a doctor that supports exercise because the research coming out of CDC, NIH, and everywhere else shows that regular exercise is the most powerful thing you can do for your health and, uh, and your mental health especially. Uh, so find a doctor that supports exercise. Do you support treadmills? Well, treadmills can give you the same type of uh, a workout that you could get on just going outside. The downside is for a lot of people, it's very boring. And if it is boring for you... We're not hitting that right side of the brain to get that left true. working. Yeah. And there are things you can do about that. Uh, but if that is the case, then you can vary it. You can be on a treadmill for five to 10 minutes and then go outside for five to 10 and, you know, just go back and forth. What do you think about music or talking when people talk when they're walking and running is that a good thing or bad thing is that is that going to lose our focus and when we're doing our training and when we're trying to get to that next goal not usually most people who uh, use music or listen to podcasts like this they can do this while they're running absolutely (laughs) sure it turns on your human brain and as a result of that you're going to have fewer negative hormones and and better motivation all the way through your workout. Right. No, I mean, that's really good. Diet. I haven't even gotten into it. I mean, come on, 76 years old, um, 5'11", which I really blew that one before, and 135 pounds. How do you how do you stay thin and in good shape? I mean, how, without being overweight? I mean, what do you, what's the diet of the Galloway, though? What, what should we be, and it's a tricky one. This is a tough question because, again, doctors, going back to your doctor, somebody may have diabetes. Some people have to watch what they do. But a, a typical person who doesn't have any limitations on what to eat or what to hydrate. You know, you see all these hydration drinks. Are you a big believer in that? Because I try to tell my daughter in the hot months, make sure you hydrate. Hydrate before. But what's the formula of that? Eight, eight ounce glasses of water a day. Eight, eight-ounce glasses of water a day. Yeah, just okay. spread throughout the day. Okay. Uh, that, that usually does the job. Okay. Now, so if, don't overthink this. You don't need all these, you know. Now, uh, 
kids particularly can overtrain and can get some of their uh, body fluids and nutrients to be at low levels, which can interfere with performance. And so if that might be happening to somebody that you know, you can have them go into some blood work at their doctor and just see if there are deficiencies like there. iron. I hear a lot of kids say that iron... Iron deficiency is very, is huge. very yeah. uh, uh, common. Mm-hmm. And the reason is every time you sweat, you lose a little bit of iron. So just think about how many hours some of the really long, long-distance runners do. And they tend to be anemic. And they notice that women, especially if they're menstruating, they're young women, and they're still pre-menopause. I, I, I've noticed that a lot. They seem to be the ones that are having that issue. They're yeah. losing blood or fluids that contain that. I mean, if you're you're doing that with men, we don't seem to get it as bad. But there are some men out there. I know kids who are taking supplements. But just don't pop a supplement unless you talk to your doctor, right? That's right. Yeah. And actually, uh, iron is hard to assimilate. And uh, one of the best ways to get iron that can be assimilated is to cook food in an iron skillet. Oh, for crying out loud. Yeah. I didn't even think that. Grandma used to do it. That's probably why they never had any issues. Here we are again today. No stick, non-stick Teflon, but yet go back to the iron skillet. It might be the trick. It works. I'll be darned. I never knew that. I'm going to break out the old iron skillet again. You're darn right. Tastes pretty darn good, too, when you have that in there, bacon. What does Jeff Galloway eat? What, what is your, do, you, do you even get caught up in that, or you just try to eat a regular balanced meal and you're, you're good, or do you, do you, are you fussing about it, what you eat? No, I don't fuss. I, I never really have. Um, my wife, Barb, has become a student of nu- nutrition, and our daughter-in-law is a registered dietitian. Okay, perfect. Uh, so yeah. whenever we have any questions, and we also... Uh, talk with her quite often, but I'm even working on a new book with her. Carissa Galloway is her name. And let's look forward to that book. When do you think it's, when is it going to be released? Well, we don't know for sure because uh, the publishing industry has slowed down dramatically because of supply chain issues. So we don't know when, but it's probably going to take about a year and a half. But the fact is that our diet is really based on more plant foods, plant-based foods, uh, whole grains, and when we have protein sources, we uh, don't really eat any red meat at all. True. Uh, I've cut back on it, which there's some benefit to it. We were talking about iron in that. Would there be to have some... The iron iron does have benefits, and of course, there are a lot of opinions in that area among uh, registered dietitians. Unfortunately, there are a lot of negatives from red meat, and it's generally about the quantity and how often... I had an old Sicilian grandfather say, he goes, a little is better than nothing, but moderation. He used to do it with his hand, and he tilts it back and forth. He he used to say, even with conversation, he goes, hey, you don't have to talk to me for an hour, just... A quick call. He goes, a little better than nothing. A couple minutes here and there to show that you're alive, you know. <laughs> and it would be the same with food. I used to say that, too. Don't matter. You can have a little vino here, a little of that, but don't overdo it. Don't don't abuse it. You know, I used to say that. No, that's old school of thought, but there's truth to that, right? No, I tell you, I love those old Italians yeah. and particularly yeah. Sicilians. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. have a lot of wisdom. They, they do. They really do. You hear some of that stuff, and, and they, they really know as, as frugal as they could be, and, and I mean that in a good way. 
Uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't squander anything. They knew exactly how to stretch things out. When I was a kid, I thought that my spaghetti sauce, that eggs were part of a, a, an Italian cuisine, and it wasn't. It was just because of the Great Depression. It came in from Italy. Like, hey, we can't get a cow. We can't get a meatball. So <laughs> we, we use a chicken, and we got chickens all over the place. Use an egg for the protein. Slap it in the sauce. Hey, it works. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I love the dirty tricks for those who are those hardcore runners out there. If you're listening that you, you conceptualize, you, you get that brain stimulation going, um, maybe even write it down. You know, Jeff does write all the time, but maybe pick some of Jeff's techniques out there. They're out there and, and, and envision some of those things that work for you. What would draw someone in? A fake magnet, maybe a little sci-fi, but it, but it works for Jeff Galloway. It could work for you. You know, I, I um, you know, listening to you on some of these, I, I, I'm going to start to incorporate some of those. Um, I, I saw the movie Overcomer. I said the Kendrick brothers, they're, they're from uh, Georgia. And that was about a cross-country coach. He, and he was, it was all about defining, you know, how do you define yourself? Well, he should have said, well, I'm a Christian first. Not a, not a, he first introduced himself, well, I'm a coach. I'm a da-da-da-da. But, but it was about this young lady, and it was a, they weren't a winning team, and he didn't really want to be a, a running coach across country. It was really cross-country. It wasn't track and field. I think it was a little bit of both, but it was cross-country was based on more of running, which would be longer distance. And this girl was learning how to run, and he kept saying, "Take, think when you tackle that hill, your legs are going to tell you you can't do it. So there was a little Galloway-isms, if you will, um, that are in there. And I was going to say something funny, too, because we always hear what – I wanted you to explain this to me. I, always, I saw this. It was um, uh, Jeffing. <laughs> Yeah, could we yeah. say that's a little Jeffing? Explain that because the way it was used in that movie, take one person out at a time. As you go there, take them out, and then your next mission is don't try to go three ahead. Just get that one in front of you. You knock that person out. You pass them. Now you're going to go get that other one. That's the rubber band pulling them in. But is that a Jeffing, or or is that the is that the umbrella over what you prescribed everybody in this, or is Jeffing a whole different deal? Well, two separate things. Okay, actually. let's break the that down. The first thing is about passing one person after another. And it's something that I used from the time that I was uh, a struggling high school student to win the state championship my senior year. That's correct. The only year that I made it to the state championship, I won the state championship. Was it in Albany? Where was it? No, at the time it was in Athens. Athens. On on the University of Georgia Right at UGA. Oh, nice. Oh, my God. But it... um, it, it was a real tough day. I had already run the mile, and I wanted to run the two-mile, yeah. which at the time was sure. the longest event. And uh, I got way behind, and I just picked on one person after another. And I was coming around the final curve and saw that there was only one runner ahead of me. He was quite a ways away, but he was really struggling. I gave it everything I had, and right at the finish line I went – in front of him. And I've used that method in so many of my key races, including when I won the Olympic trials, when I finished second, rather, and qualified for the Olympic team in Munich. I was in last place for the first mile. I was going to see 72. That was Munich, Germany. That's where it was. And obviously, the Summer Olympics. You... And, and I'm thinking at time, Bruce, how well do you know Bruce Jenner? Did you know Bruce Jenner? He was he was younger I, I, than you, but I know I him. knew him. Yeah. He was on my team. He was on your and, team. And yeah. As a matter of fact, I yeah. I ran into him literally in the stands of the 1996 Olympics, and I gave him my hat. And I've got 
his that's uh, awesome. Bruce Jenner autograph. You should be getting yours, but vice versa. Get well. He made the Wheaties box. Galloway. Well, Galloway's just. But now you're you're just as much. You you, you earned your stripes in so many other ways, and that really helped out so many people. That that was in San. Were you in Southern California that that year? Was that uh, what was it? I'm trying to think. Where you were in '96. You were in San Diego because I was talking to some folks. I was telling you earlier. Said, so, "Oh yeah, I met Jeff in '96." But you could have been at some. God only knows what you were doing there. I, I don't know, but yeah, I during that era, I was giving about two hundred talks a year. Uh, yeah, all over. You're the probably place. you're doing a ton. And I'm sure he was an Army Ranger guy. He's been stationed all over the place, and he, he must have ran in you. But he's still, uh, you know, I told a few people I know close that Justin me in there, and they're like, "Oh gosh, I wish I can be there." But and I was even asking Dylan, our producer, Dylan goes, "You know what, Bob? I think it'd be best just to have you and Jeff there." But I'm thinking if you have other people in here, just to kind of pile in and say it might have been overwhelming. But I'm I'm glad that I had this intimate one on one with you because. If you're listening to this again, a plethora of knowledge. We can keep going on and on, but uh, you know we're probably teetering on a little over an hour right now. But this has been tremendous. I mean, I mean, I'm honored that you came in here. I really appreciate it because you you have no idea how much you are a household name. You're soft spoken. You're 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 who you are, and uh, you make it easy. And you really do. You make it sound really and and it's working. I mean, you hear people like I said, the person that I kept passing me, and then I'm. They're passing me, and then I'm passing them, and then they're walking. I'm like, what in that H-E double hockey sticks, which I should have known. And then you hear just in passing, you go, oh, we're doing the Galloway method right here. You know, it's just, it's just, it's a natural, just the Galloway method. Who, who's Galloway? Well, you, now you know right here, and at Galloway, uh, jeffgalloway.com, he's got another book coming out. He's written so many different books, and um, an amazing man. And, uh, again, from the late 60s when he was going to, I guess it was late 60s when you were in high school doing that state state championship in Athens to uh, the 72 Olympic, uh, you know, team. It's uh, incredible. Just, just incredible. I know something you'd be proud of. I know uh, you're an incredible guy. Really good. Well, thank you. And Bob, you're doing a fantastic job with this show. You're getting the information out there. You're helping people improve the quality of their lives. Keep it up. Thank you very much. That's the endorsement that who who would not want an endorsement like that from Jeff Galloway? We should get him to record that. (laughs) Well, I am honored. That's a great thing. And Jeff, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to meet you. And thank you for doing this on your time. He's a busy man and he was able to take time out for the Bob Jeswold show. So at any time, you can always check it out. Jeff Galloway uh, uh, com. We'll have all the links here on our page here you, you know where to find jeff and and you can get the latest books that you want coming out uh, if you want the latest anytime and just see this visual part of this podcast which is awesome uh, wrbl.com is a place to go you know you see the visual you can also catch us uh right here on anywhere you get your podcasts from iheart to to spotify to apple we're there and of course on social media from Twitter to Facebook to Instagram to search my name, B. Jeswald, WRBL. There's a community page that will have uh, this on, and uh, you can enjoy it at any time at your convenience, even when you're running <laughs> or walking, whatever it may be. Jeff Galloway, thank you so much. We'll see you at the next race. Yes.